Welcome. Welcome to our first Holy Week in the renovated nave. I am so glad we are once again able to have Holy Week services in person at the church. Last year at my previous parish, like many churches at the start of the pandemic, we had all our Holy Week services online exclusively. And you know, I was and I am so grateful that we were able to have those services at all under the circumstances. It was a blessing, but it didn't feel the same. It wasn't the same not to all gather together in a sacred space. Did you feel that last year during Holy Week? Did you miss being in this place? Did you feel the lack of the holy space in which to worship? We tend to do that, don't we? Divide the places in our lives into sacred and profane, holy and not holy. This is the church building, we think to ourselves. It's sacred. The offices maybe are a little less sacred, but you know, they're still church-related, so kind of. This, though, this is the nave. This is extra sacred space. My house, on the other hand, well, it's just ordinary. And it's not just the spaces. It's the people, events, and activities. Receiving the Eucharist is holy, but brushing my teeth isn't. Bishops are holy, but bank clerks, church services, definitely holy. Work days, eh, not so much. And so on, and so on, and so on. Holy, not holy. Holy, not holy. Holy, not holy. But that perception, that division we make in our minds, is not entirely accurate. You see, in ancient times, that was indeed the case. The temple was sacred, the Levitical priesthood was sacred, the altar was sacred, and most sacred of all was the Holy of Holies within the temple. But over 2,000 years ago, on this night, Jesus breached that divide. He bridged the gap between sacred and ordinary. It's not that he said the temple or what have you was not holy anymore. Instead, on that very night, he instituted one of the holiest activities in which we engage, the Lord's Supper, and he also conferred holiness on the mundane, lowly activities of life when they're done in his name. Let's think this through. There are two events that happen. One was from our reading, our gospel reading tonight. We see Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. This is my body. This is my blood. The other one that happens in the Gospel of John, we didn't read it tonight, but I'm going to throw it in here too. The other one is when he washes his disciples' feet. The bread and the wine in and of themselves, were they holy before that? But his body and blood, yes. Washing of feet, was it holy before that? Under the circumstances of Jesus and his disciples entering the upper room for this meal, if anyone were to wash someone else's feet, it should have been the disciples washing Jesus's. They have already acknowledged that he is their teacher and Lord. If any part of the meal they were to consume was holy, it would have been the Passover lamb for the Passover celebration that week. But the disciples are distracted. 
Perhaps, as they do later in our very text tonight, perhaps they were already arguing about who was the most important. But whatever the distraction was, at some point in that meal, Jesus slipped away, and he dressed himself like a slave. He takes off his garments and wraps a simple towel around his waist. If you want to talk about holy and not holy, Jesus is the holiest person ever. There is no one holier. He is God himself, and yet he dresses like a slave, the lowest of the low. He humbles himself, and he takes this menial act of service, washing dusty, grimy feet upon himself, the king of the universe. Keep in mind that this is before Judas has left, but after he has already decided to betray Jesus. Yet we have every reason to think that Jesus washed his feet as well and served him bread and wine as well. Jesus, the master of the universe, humbles himself to serve even his betrayer. And after he washes his disciples' feet, he asked them if they understood, and they didn't. And he tells them, just like he tells them to drink and eat in his name every time, he tells them that he has set an example that they should do the same of washing each other's feet. There are some Christians out there who actually think that because of this command, foot washing is another ordinance of Jesus, not unlike the Eucharist. Both of them are holy, and that is how significant this night is. Jesus and his holiness has commanded his disciples to receive the Eucharist and to wash each other's feet. In essence, he has commanded them that in following him, they are to take on the most menial acts of service, even as they take on the most holy acts of worship. Jesus has elevated this humble act to become sacred, just as he has elevated the humble bread and wine to become his body and blood. And in the process, he demonstrates that all things that are done in his name are holy. That for his followers, service becomes an act of worship. In spite of our tendency to divide the sacred and the profane in our lives and in our minds, Jesus breaches that divide. In Jesus, the least sacred, mundane acts, the dirty, grimy, lowly acts become holy. In Jesus, the most ordinary food of the day, the bread and the wine that they would have had at probably every meal, become holy. Holiness spreads from Jesus, making the everyday sacred. How does that apply to our lives 2,000 years later? We still celebrate the Eucharist. We rarely wash feet except ceremonially. But Jesus' commands and acts of service resonate through the years, teaching us that in Jesus, even the most humble of our daily activities can become acts of worship, sacred moments of service to him through serving others. So it's not that church is not a sacred space. Don't misunderstand me. But it's that your home can be as well. It's not that the Eucharist is not a holy meal because it is. But your breakfast can be as well. It's not that receiving the Eucharist is not a moment of divine grace. It is in a unique and powerful way. But that changing a diaper 
can be a prayerful and holy and grace-filled activity. When done to God's glory, there is no good act in which we engage that does not become holy. This week is particularly holy. We literally call it Holy Week for a reason. But that doesn't mean next week can't be holy as well. As you go through the rest of Holy Week and then on out of it, don't look down on the ordinary, everyday tasks of life. The bread and the wine, the washing of feet. Don't look down on menial service. Don't look down even on the disgusting necessities of life. Don't look down on the things we normally think of as not holy. As you go through the rest of Holy Week and on out of it, remember that it is not just the services that make these days sacred. As you go to work, as you cook, as you clean, as you eat, as you serve, as you do life in all its mundane glory, do each activity as to the Lord. See each space as a place that can become sacred when you invite God in. Then ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Ask him to permeate your life and your spaces and all your everyday things. As you go through the rest of Holy Week and on out of it, know that it is not just the spiritual, not just the things we see as sacred that Jesus came to save. The fullness of his coming kingdom will not just be in heaven. He is not just king of the intangible and redeemer of the extraordinary. Jesus' coming kingdom will be realized in a new heavens and a new earth. He is the Lord of the physical and the spiritual, and redeemer of the ordinary, as well as the extraordinary. In Jesus, ordinary bread and physical wine become the body and blood of Christ. In Jesus, the mundane, dirty, lowly, and everyday things can become opportunities for worshipful service. In Jesus, there are places and events that are particularly holy, but there is no part of life that he cannot make holy. Amen.